What's up, everybody? This is Jeffrey Lofton, otherwise known as Who Is That Again? And I want to welcome you to the Broke Millennial Podcast. Let's go. All right, well, we are back for another episode. And before we jump in to today's interview, I want to ask, did y'all enjoy last week's episode? Y'all let me know. I just want y'all to win. And that's what it's all about. If you winning, I'm winning. We winning. So be sure to check out last week's episode and our previous episodes and let me know what you think. Also, Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Broke Meal Pod for new episode alerts and other content. So today I want to deal with something um, that really kind of makes us think. And that's really thinking about this idea of contentment versus complacency. How can I balance being content without becoming complacent. Well, when I'm content, I'm at peace. I'm at peace with me. It's a satisfaction with myself. I am a part of a mentoring group, and one of the pieces that they mentioned this week was learning how to separate not liking where I am from not liking me. See, when I'm content, I may not always like where I am, but I'm okay and am confident enough in myself to do something different and aim for better. Now, complacency can be a little tricky because, you know, complacency is characterized by kind of a smug, haughty disposition and an overinflated sense of security in your own achievements. Some may label it contentment, mistakenly, but really it's reservation feeling like you've gone as far as you can and you've achieved all all that you could and there's really nothing else to learn or aspire to. It can be crippling and debilitating. And I hope over the course of listening to this podcast that you begin to experience a life of contentment. We are lifelong learners. As you're here in our conversation today, we all have varying interests and passions. And all of those things can be put to use in some area of our lives, which allows us to grow in contentment without becoming bogged down in complacency. Today, we have a conversation with two of my favorite people, Robert Tucker and Michelle Pearson Tucker. This conversation was so much fun, y'all. So... I hope you enjoy listening as much as we enjoy conversing and sharing. I am excited to have with me the Tuckers. Oh, don't that sound good? (laughs) (laughs) I've got Robert and Michelle Pearson Tucker. Right. <laughs> yes. Gotta say the whole thing. Right. Yes, sir. Yes. And so, how are you guys doing? We are great. Busier than I am, busier than I anticipated, but I never complain about that. I just say, God has a lot of work for me to do, so I will get it done. <laughs> yeah. Um, same, actually. Um, ended up getting busier and busier um, by the day, it feels like, actually. So, wow. you know, even the day off is, is, is hard. So, and you actually caught us at a good time because we're, um, what, three days away from cel- celebrating our first year anniversary. Exactly. Well, congratulations. <laughs> in order, if y'all yeah. didn't know, yeah. okay, I should have said that. Well, these newlyweds, y'all, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. y'all just we, we look. Brand, so we brand, we still got new car space. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, y'all. But y'all looks, y'all look good. Y'all look happy. I'm, I'm so proud of you guys. I know I haven't seen you all in person. But I am so proud of you guys, and I can't wait um, until I get the chance to um, see you guys in person again. Um, yes, you know y'all. Y'all saw me through some some uh, rough. 
You know, college does it to people. Yeah, saying, yeah, 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 Y'all saw me through. I mean, me and Robert had some candid conversations through the college. Hey, hey, I, I remember those candid conversations over some some meals that had to be paid for. Yes, yeah, some meals that had to be paid for. It, it was life or death meals. Yes, So, y'all, tell us, Co- so each of you, you know, kind of tell us, you know, you know, what you, what you doing? How did you get into the fields that you guys are working in? And then we'll just kind of take the conversation from there. Sure. Yeah, All right. Well, oh. gonna do that. <laughs> well, Bam, I ain't doing that. No. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh. So professionally, um, I'm a financial advisor and I also am an entrepreneur. <laughs> I also am a nonprofit college. So, so I say all that um, because one of the things that I, I always remind folks that the ultimate question, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? I had to figure out what did I not want to be when I grew mm. up. And so everything else, I was like, I'm going to do it. Good. <laughs> so I decided I would do it. So I don't have a limit on this one thing. And so while this is the profession I'm in now, I do see myself retiring as a financial advisor, but I think there's so many other things I may dip my toe in as well um so yeah so that's what i do professionally so um my journey was a it was funny um almost a straight arrow but not directly so as i i initially went to college i was pre-law i did my inter right i did my internship and i realized no this is not what i want to do with my life um and it was more of the uh, oddly enough the family time component i didn't know what that looked like at that time i was still on the fence about if i wanted children i've since then decided on the greener grass side of no children and traveling. Um, So that's up to God. If we have kids, it's not our plan. But so, but at that time, the one thing I knew, I did want a mate and a partner for life. And um, I realized that it was a lot of work all the time Mm -hmm. and it it never turned off. And that bothered me Mm -hmm. uh, because they were doing just that one thing. And maybe it's the Gemini in me that likes to do a lot of things all the time. Right. So as I shifted, I was at pre-law and political science major. Um, so I was in the, yeah, in the history department space. And so I transitioned because I worked in the school of business and they always ragged on me like, what are you going to do with a political science degree? You're going to need a job. So I was like, yes, I'll get this business degree too. So I left with a double major. Mm. And so my history tweaked and became history of the South. So I'm very all about what's going on with Black folks and all that. But yeah. I also have a business degree and I went and received an MBA as well. So... I was because why not? Right, exactly. <laughs> why not? That's <laughs> what you do. <laughs> so like, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. That's, that's right. my personality. Um, and while I was doing that, I took a part-time job working at a credit union here in Athens. And so that's how I got into the banking world. Mm. Side note, in case any of my friends are watching this, we would be in accounting class. And that is a class that I was literally bored to death in. We did the work. I got it. You know, we got the work done, but it bored me. And mm. so me going to banking was shocking to most of my friends. And I was like, I know, right? I, hey, I, I can count money. Nothing else. I've always been good money. And so I worked as a teller. So they realized I was getting a master's degree. And then I went to almost every other department. So operations, um, branch manager, did ha- mortgages. I did a little bit of everything, but I love that side of helping people. Mm. And that is what led me to realize um, I, I wanted to stay in the financial world because I had a knack for helping folks. And I transitioned to the retirement planning side, understanding that I was seeing black and brown people not retiring the way that I thought retirement was supposed to look like. What we were told was the, you know, white picket fence is what life looks like. And I said, something's different. So I started paying attention and volunteering for every training class that was coming up. Mm -hmm. And I realized it was a retirement planning side. And that's how I knew that this is the world that I wanted to be in. And so I've been with what Jones Edward Jones since 2014, October of 2014. Um, but I spent 12 I years before that in banking. So <laughs> I've been in this space, just in different realms. Wow. That's amazing. Of course, we're going to get into that. I just, you know, because <laughs> um, uh, on the finance side, you know, that's an issue. You know, I mean, this is oh, a yeah. millennial podcast. <laughs> yes, yes. So, yeah, that's a whole other topic we can talk about completely. Absolutely. <laughs> you feel me? Yeah. Yes. So, yes. there's a reason it's called that. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. You just 
broke right now. How about that? Right now, we ain't trying to be broke. <laughs> <Yeah. forever. laughs> exactly. Oh. What you got, Robert? Tell tell us what you what you doing. Ooh, struggles. So, <laughs> um, so I'm a therapist. Um, yeah. I'm a I'm a licensed clinical social worker. Um, also a certified alcohol and drug counselor. Wow. Um, have my master's degree in social work. Um, I've been doing therapy in the Athens area since 2009 in some capacity. Um, in the mornings, I actually spend my mornings um, working in a substance abuse facility. Um, we focus on opioid treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, we do medication-assisted treatment um, there, and I actually do the therapy side of things, the counseling piece um, at that particular space. Um, in, in my afternoons, I'm actually in private practice. Um, and so I, have, I started private practice 2019. Um, right. Yes. Yes. So um, I have been, I think this is my second year in private practice. Um, just started getting paneled with a few insurance companies here and there um, as well. So starting to take um, a couple of insurances if I can. Um, UGA student insurance was the one that I'm most proud of. Uh, mostly because of, like you said, you know, uh, Broke Millennial Podcast, right? So yeah. it's being broke, but then you get this insurance and it's like nobody takes the student insurance. It's, but the other side of it is it's kind of tough for therapists to get paneled with that insurance, yeah. but it's not impossible because I, I honestly, I hustled my way in, not going to lie. I, I kind of harassed <laughs> the people at UGA and they just kind of talked, said like, will you please panel him? And that's how I got it. <laughs> it was persistence. It really got to be like that sometimes. <laughs> right, right, right. Absolutely. Right. But um, I guess as far as the journey is concerned, I actually started out pre-med when I first started college. Yes, I did. Um, microbiology um, was the class that I passed. And then I instantly changed my major after I got done with microbiology. Because I said, if it gets any harder than this, I'm just going to fail everything. Uh, so um, switched my major. Um, I was kind of deciding between psychology and dramatic arts. Landed on dramatic arts, actually. So um, my undergrad degree is in dramatic arts. Um, I was a struggling artist for a while. Um, I did do a lot of gigs back in the day, um, did the plays, everything else, um, and literally was really actually that broke that broke person. Um, I remember many times calling Papa Johnson, asking them if someone didn't pick up their pizza for the day, um, you know, right before close. And then you know you can go over there, and if if they if you know the person over there, sometimes they'll you know you know give you the little pizza <laughs> right. that somebody didn't keep. And I mean, you know, if you're hungry, like you, you're not that picky about what somebody else where you can pick off olives and onions. You know, like you don't have to eat them. Um, but yeah, yeah, hustle, man. So um, I was in Santa Fe, New Mexico, working at the Santa Fe Opera um, when I was looking at my life and I was like, I'm about to come away with $2,000 in my pocket, nowhere to go, and homeless. Mm. And so I was trying to figure out what my next step would be because the only other thing I could do in theater was just get another gig. Like I just had to either get another job or go back to school or something. So um, my grandmother at the time um, and my mom and I kind of talked about it. And and, um, the two of them were like, well, we both got our degrees in psychology, which they did. And so they were like, well, why don't you go back that route? Because you really enjoyed it, you know, enjoyed studying. So um, I actually talked to Maurice Daniels. I talked to him um, and I was still living in Alabama and uh, and I told him and I was like look my GPA is atrocious because it was because you know I did what every college student does I was broke and I partied and bright and so GPA was horrible <laughs> so what he said was we can po- probably put you on academic probation but we need you to do the take the GRE and we need you to apply. So uh-huh. I took the GRE, I applied, but I also applied to the University of Alabama because I said I could just stay at home right. and do what I got to do. Roll tie, whatever. So <laughs> we <laughs> still. So we do I, not endorse I, that statement. Go dogs. <laughs> so so I ended up applying and I was still staying in Mobile. I was, I was just taking some classes just to kind of learn more about psychology um, doing, and doing that. And um, they got, and UGA got my GRE scores at the same time as the University of Alabama. U, University of Alabama actually rejected me. Mm. UGA um, was like, we're still considering you. Um, so just kind of, you know, sit tight and we'll, we'll let you know. Mm-hmm. I drove to Athens to do a job interview because I had already applied for a job here anyway, just in case. Mm-hmm. 
Right. And as I was driving back to Alabama, I got a call from the place that I interviewed at mm-hmm. and they told me that I got the job. 30 minutes later, the people from UGA School of Social Work <laughs> called me and said, we're not going to put you on academic probation. Just come on into the program. And so hmm. I said, well, I guess I'm going to Georgia, Lord. So <laughs> welcome. <laughs> right. Exactly. Which is which is funny because the funniest thing even about that journey is that you know you think you know where you want to be and it's really not there. I wanted to be at the University of Alabama to be close to my parents. I get here, my parents are like, you should have been here. And I'm like, well, that's just not, not where God led. Confirmation was this. My first day of classes, I go to class, I get home and check my mail. The University of Alabama sent me an acceptance letter <laughs> on my first day of classes at UGA. I said, I said, it's too late now. I'm here. So, I'm in school. so yeah. So that got me. Um, oh, also funny thing, I ended up um at um I ended up asking about churches, ended up at Ebenezer. It was my first church to try. I was sitting in the pews, um, could not find the song in the hymn book for the hymn selection and this lady taps me on the shoulder and was like you want to share my hymnal and so I said sure so I'm I'm like sharing the hymnal with her end of the song gets there and she's like you know hey what's your name where are you from I said I'm from Alabama my name is Robert and I'm going to UGA she's like oh a college student well if you need anything just give me a call let me know my name is Lynn Brown who is the uh-huh. church administrator there <laughs> who then <laughs> ends up you know help, helping me to understand that they needed a guitar player so I started playing guitar for the church then she learned that I had a degree in dramatic arts and she asked me to be a, music, a ministry leader for the creative arts ministry. So I am. So when I tell people that, you know, God leads you all in twists and turns yeah. and puts you right where he wants you. That's my story is like wow. I shouldn't have got, I shouldn't even like why would I get a dramatic arts degree, you know, in the first place? If I'm just going to be a therapist, but it wasn't for the employment. It was for the ministry side mm-hmm. of what God had for my life. So. Um, but yeah, no, I can, but in the, in the spirit of what we were talking about, um, hustle stories abound. So yeah, I mean, you're, you're helping both of you. I mean, (laughs) you covered even part of even my story where you got to college, you had an idea with what you wanted to do. You take a class or two and then you realize. (laughs) (laughs) For me, it was, I thought I was going to be pre-law. I was going to be the next Barack Obama. And yes. you know, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And I said, I'm gonna go pre-law. I got in there and I was like, wait a minute. Nah, I don't first of all, I don't like to read that much. I'm sorry. We promote <laughs> yes, I, mean, yes. I, mean, I agree. I, I love and it's funny, I love learning, but I hate reading. Um, yeah. so I'm I, my audio book file is amazing, 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 amazing. So if Amazon wants to give you a sponsorship, I'm all about audio. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i mean i yeah so that and that yeah th- so that that was kind of the thing i had to realize so kind of i college i guess really kind of it was really kind of a place where you could kind of really find what it is and refine what it is you really wanted to do and kind of help shake off some of that extra stuff some of that idealistic you know like oh you know, mm-hmm. i'm gonna do all this stuff it's like oh yeah and like get down to this is really who i am what i'm good at <laughs> And, uh, you know, uh, and so, you know, this is where I'm talented. This is where I'm most gifted. Um, and so, you know, tell us about that, like that moment. So for each of you kind of in college, like, you know, we talked, I know, Robert, you talked about it being a class. Um, you know, how, <laughs> how long did it take you to just say, you know what? Uh-uh. <laughs> like because some people it takes them a while like they'll be like I, I gotta push through I just gotta push through it's like nah fam like that's a sign like you barely pass right right um I, I don't know if you've ever had this experience of sitting at, at midterms right mm-hmm. you know you're taking your midterm exam mm-hmm. so I'm sitting here at midterms I've studied I've studied hard all right. So I get the midterms in microbiology. I'm looking at this test. And, and I promise you, I, I didn't know anything about that test. I just skipped, I skipped one question after the other. 
And I got to the end of the exam and I was like, I don't know the answers to any of these questions. (laughs) I've been studying for months for this test and I can't do it. Now, again, I got out the class. Actually Mm -hmm. did pretty well in that particular class, you know, Mm -hmm. in the end. Mm -hmm. But Lord, at midterm, I was like, nah, let's just get through this class. Let's just get it. I'm not trying to drop this class. I need this credit. So it's on my transcript. Mm -hmm. I passed that class. However, <laughs> at midterm, I was like, nah, I'm good. I was already, they had already asked me to be in a play anyway. I was like, I like this. I like this artistic stuff anyway. So, you know what? I don't even worry about it. But like, it was, it's that moment of realization that that's not really the thing that you're really passionate about. Mm-hmm. Because other people in the class were really passionate about, you know, learning, you know, biology. You know, um, I have an interest in it. I don't have a passion in it. And that's and that's very different, you know, because, you know, me being interested in it means that I can watch House and Grey's Anatomy and ER and go to her doctor's appointments and, and kind of understand what's going on I have no at all. She never does, um, but which is funny to me. <laughs> but the but the other thing is, is that I know that that's not something that I'm passionate about, you know, being able to provide, you know, therapy to families, passionate about it, being able to you know, sit down with people and to, and to create something musically or to be able to write something that, you know, that's a really nice script, passionate about it. I, I appreciate it. I appreciate that. But to, I'm, I don't have a passion for that thing that I just like. You know, it's, it's cool. I enjoy it. I'll, I'll actually read some of the academic journals about it. Yeah. But I don't have a passion for it. Other doctors, Great. That's your passion. <laughs> that's what you like to do. But that wasn't me. And so and so that that's really the thing. And I didn't even understand that until later on, mm-hmm. how how much it, it really meant, you know, for that. But that's really what it became. It was these are my passions. These are the things that I like. So these are going to be the things I like are hobbies. Mm-hmm. So we'll just play around here. But I ain't got to have to make money here that's <laughs> in it. the stuff that I like. You know, that's it. And, you know, Michelle, I'll let you answer that question, too. But I think Robert hit something kind of really hit, hit something there where it's like, you know, I'm not this isn't I need to be able to identify these different these different mm-hmm. things and like put them in the proper place. Like this is something I'm only interested in. This is not something that I'm passionate about. Just because I'm interested in it does not mean that I'm passionate about, it. and it does not mean that I need to make that a career. I, I work with, <laughs> you know, I work with businesses for a living. I tell people all the time, I I love that you want to open a restaurant, but just because you can cook, man, does not mean you should open a restaurant. Absolutely, you man. Know, so Michelle, tell us about that kind of <laughs> that aha moment for you. That's like okay. <laughs> <laughs> It is funny because I think I'm at the other end of the spectrum mm-hmm. um, of being, even even in school, I think <laughs> science was probably the only subject that I struggled in in certain areas. Like chemistry, I was a whiz, but chemistry was numbers. It was factual. Yeah. I didn't have to understand truly the application and move. I didn't, it wasn't a thing, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I learned early things I did not like. I also did not like bodily fluids. So <laughs> I knew the medical field was not going to be my thing at that level. <laughs> So, but at the same time, I found so many things that I actually enjoyed doing. And in true Gemini fashion, what I always chop it up as is that I go behind and get super excited. I'm all passionate at the moment. And then sometimes it fizzles and sometimes it's boring. So it didn't keep my attention. And so I shifted another way. And so for me, when it came time for career wise, I had to find my passion in people. Mm. That is the thing that drew me and has allowed me to be in the different spaces that I'm in. Um, which is also why I mentioned I'm a nonprofit holic because there's certain things that I'm passionate about. Um, started a nonprofit, Minority Business and Nonprofit Association, to help people do exactly what you're talking about because I see that people are excited about the passion and the work that they can do, but they don't understand the business side and truly the application, the things that IRS cares about. Mm-hmm. So it's how do we yeah. have those conversations, right? right? And but for me, it's all about how do I engage and help you grow and develop? Those are the things that I'm passionate about. So it made career-wise for me mm-hmm. difficult because as long as people were involved, I was excited about it because I love the strategy, I love the thinking and the planning, and you know, how do we strategically do this thing and mm-hmm. achieve a goal? And mm-hmm. I knew I couldn't do something that was repetitive. And finances is not that. 
Um, if I'm on the teller line, yes. But in the loan department, mortgages, it, everything was a challenge because every situation is totally different. Mm. So I had to figure out, how do I navigate this space? What does it look like? And so retirement planning became that because you get every scenario. You have people who are single and widowed. So every, every client is totally wow. different. Wow. And it's always a strategy of trying to figure out what do you like and what do you have. So that, that helped keep my attention in the work that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one thing that I, I think I'm different because I've seen other people who have that passion and go in different directions all the time is that I knew the core of what I wanted to do. And mm-hmm. so I kept it close at heart to align my skill set with the passion that I had. <laughs> and I went down that road. And so I never quite ventured off totally, you know, far left. Because even when we talk about me being a history major, right? Mm-hmm. It was like, you have a history degree? Well, I'm really passionate about history of the South. I love Black folks and everything Black around it. So a lot of the work that I do from a community service side is I'm cheering for everything black. So mm-hmm. it gets to align with what I do, <laughs> um, yeah. even in the same space, even though it doesn't look like it on paper. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is, you know, they're, they're close cousins. So <laughs> yeah. all of that, all of what you have gone through, all of the different um, twists and turns, they all like kind of make, you know, mm-hmm. they've all kind of play their part in what you're actually doing. One thing I like to ask business owners, and both of you are business owners, one thing I like to ask is, what are your core values and how do they align with those and how closely do they align with your personal core values? Are they the same uh, for your business and your personal? So, yeah, I'll let you, you, <laughs> yeah. I'll let you go first because I'm going to go for my conference thing I do. <laughs> so dramatic. I know. <laughs> So I'll, I'll make mine real simple because I kind of feel like I know where she's going to go yeah. with it. Um, my mom and I always have this joke between us that we're trying to, you know, heal the world one person at a time. Mm. And that's and that's kind of it. Right. So, um, you know, for me, you know, when you're a social worker, you have a lot of values that are surrounding around extending services to people who don't really have them and empowering people to be able to do the things that they don't believe that they can do or help them overcome things that they don't believe they can actually overcome. So that's the kind of the core value of it all is just, you know, providing that to people within themselves, because, you know, again, you know, teach men fish, you know, that whole thing. So, um, so that's as simple as that. So, you know, starting a business, didn't really want to do it. Someone decided that they wanted to encourage me to get it done, you know, and, you know, apparently I'm actually. Let's go ask that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, yeah. So, but. I'm good at it. And so yeah. and it's actually doing really well. So, and, and that's really cool to be able to have that and, and to be able to, and, and that's even the space too, is to be, to be a Christian that has people who come, come into a service and to tell them that I'm Christian and no matter what their background, sexuality, gender identity, that person comes in, has a session and, and leaves feeling accepted and loved and cared for and appreciated by a person that identifies as a Christian is also big for me as well, because I I cannot, you know, go into this with this thought that I'm only going to be able to serve a certain type of person. And so, you know, the prayer is that I'm, you know, provide the love that Jesus will provide to that particular person. And that's kind of the core value of of all of it. And, and of course, you know, um, the thing that I tell other people who are social workers, streets need you. And how can I tell a person the streets need you when I'm out here like trying to hide behind a corporation that's probably not doing everything that I could be doing for the community mm. that I love? So, so wow. that's it. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. All right, Michelle. <laughs> yeah, I must say here she go. Well, that, for me, I will say here's here's where the two align and connect is that I, I tell people all the time, and I actually did this session for Pastor Smith at the Classicity Conference. Um, I was doing a session on the business of the church mm-hmm. and I, I brought up the comments and the, the thought that I, that I have, I said, this could be a book one day, right? You can have it because I probably won't write it. <laughs> is that I was like, a lot of times we, we struggle with the business of the church because we say, well, the church is supposed to be different. It's supposed to be here for people. And, and I tell people, I challenged that thought. I said, the problem is that we want to make them two separate things. And we have this thing in the middle called socially responsible entities. And that those are the businesses that are trying to do this good work. I was like, why are we all not living in that space? Churches and businesses alike. Because if we're going to be socially responsible, that means we're taking the thought of people, environment, something in consideration. 
And if we can't do that from a business and a church standpoint, then what are we really doing? Um, Because churches have to make money to survive if they're going to grow and do the ministry. That is a part of it. And businesses have to make money to survive, but they could also be more compassionate and empathetic about what's going on with the people that they're they're serving and the clients that they want to serve and their employees, right? Because they have this this model, folks, they have to account for. Mm -hmm. So I think if we all live in the social responsible space when it comes to how we operate and function, then your core values will Mm -hmm. end up showing through um, and you get to pick and choose who you work with and who you serve and how. So... Yeah. See, it's not wow. that deep. <laughs> but she, but see, she, she, she missed that one part though, where where she talks about the way in which she, you know, that that passion kind of comes out of the professionalism, right? Because the, the thing that I do love about you know what Michelle does and has been doing for the community is that there's, I know, right? I'm gonna get these brownie points. Okay. But, 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 you know, honestly, but truly, like you, you don't really see people who are in these financial institutions who also are connected to a community that never believes that they could actually utilize services from that person. Like if you go to like that person in the, in the housing you know, authority or the housing community and this financial advisor comes up to them and says, I can help you. And that person's like, you help me what? but but you know <laughs> talk about that though. but that's that's kind of the thing is like extending that same thing to those people that don't believe that they even need it and then coming on another side of it like dang you actually kind of saved me some headache or some time or some some whatever it is just because of not only like knowledge that she has but also resources that she connects herself with um, I, I truly believe that, you know, one of the things that has made Michelle so successful has been like her willingness to to go to the top of the mountain when it comes to who, who the top one percenters mm-hmm. and provide that service to that person. And then to just as well go into, you know, any other community that you could possibly think of yeah. and be the same person throughout. Wow. And so and, and that's huge because what yeah. people don't really realize is that there are people who are in communities that are struggling that still got resources that they need to figure out what to do with or you got some way in which you can actually you know utilize whatever you got to actually save up for the thing that you have you know how many people Mm -hmm. have you helped out with with houses and Mm -hmm. cars and saving up money from like pilgrim's (laughs) pride or not pilgrim's pride but um the poultry and you know and shift work you got people working Mm -hmm. third shift they got bigger bank accounts than both of us combined Mm -hmm. So, and, and we ain't broke no more. So, just, you know what I mean? The person that cuts my hair got, I'm jealous of him. I'm like, shoot, I need to, need to figure out how we how to make your money. <laughs> wow. And it is so funny, though, just to piggyback off that, that so many people think folks that are in the elitist type professions are financially stable. Mm, and so many of them are not there on the same rocky ground as the shift worker mm-hmm. um, Robert mentioned that I've seen it across the board at this point I have almost 20 years in the financial industry um, so I've seen credit reports across all levels I've seen people making you know you know barely scraping by and I've seen people making you know six seven hundred actually a couple million a year I've seen it and I work with them at different levels and I've seen people everywhere in between and financially, it doesn't matter how much you make. There are people at every level struggling in certain spaces. So. Mm-hmm. That's, that's so real. That's mm-hmm. so real. So what you make. Ain't just about the money. It's right. About the mindset too. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Not what you make is what you keep. <laughs> you, you know, haven't you always wondered how it is that you got, you know, people from like the forties, fifties and sixties, who are still living in the house that they bought off of like their teacher salary or the work that they were doing over at UGA or whatever university. Like, I mean, the pay that they got was really small. I remember my dad was talking about when he first started at the University of Alabama, I think he was making like four or five bucks. And my, you know, and my dad ended up like when he was, when he was like in his thirties, he like, he, he was owning his own house. Mm. and like you know had his own things you know he was paying yeah. for his stuff like he wasn't in a destitute space he was in right. ownership wow. you know working working a job that required a high school diploma mm-hmm. and wow. we are now in a space where if you have a master's degree you need a roommate to get an apartment right so right. Whew. man 
school you to. <laughs> you know, so it's 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 just the way that it is, man. You know, right. we we are there, there was a way in which they spent money, and that's the thing that I've learned from Michelle is that you know it's 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 more about the ways in which you actually spend the money, where you spend it, you know, where you allocate it, you know, and then how you live your life beyond that. So yeah, man. Oh. Yeah, see, that is that is another podcast. That's another <laughs> another episode yes. right there, y'all. And so, you know, and so one of the things, and one of the things I think I can I can say from you, and you can maybe correct me, um, uh, is contentment from you mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Where you've reached a point where you're like, look, man, you know, I've reached this point where I am content, not complacent. That's right. different. Absolutely. But I am content. Mm-hmm. Is that, am I, am I reading oh, that yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. You know, yeah. we talk all the time, like how blessed we are to even do, even we, you know, we went to visit some friends um, we're in leadership, Georgia, and we were driving back from Chester Atlanta, like how blessed is that we were actually just to stay there the weekend, spend time with these people and that the things that you didn't have to worry about. When I can think about back in college, we were scraping together, me and some of our friends would scrape together the five dollars about a little season's pizza and then we would get quarters to go to the walmart vending machine to get the soda because they didn't charge tax for the vending machine. <laughs> so you know it's crazy when you think about the spaces that you were in and the struggles wow. that you had but some of the things that you also get elevated that uh, the maslow's hierarchy of needs that mm. some of those things are no longer even issues wow. and how blessed you are to realize that god has moved you in a different space to do something else Wow. So it wasn't right. that you now have attained these things or attained this income, attained this profession, attained this status, this power, whatever comes along with it, because all those things don't always live in the same space, that God is saying, I need you here to do this next thing. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I'm, you know, because in, in the mindset hasn't changed either, yeah. you, you know, yeah. like, you know, that same mindset that, you know, put her, you know, trying to scrounge together five bucks for a little Caesar pizza. The mindset that had me like, you know, in the I knew a store where you can get a two liter for 50 cents and then you can get a pack of like chicken tenders for like a dollar fifty. You know what I mean? And so you get like the pack of chicken tenders and a two liter and that could, and, and then like um pancakes on a stick was a thing, like where I was about the same thing. It's still here. That's what I mean, right? Like you go from but and, and you don't go too far away from that because yeah. then it becomes like at least I have a I, I have a kitchen to mm-hmm. be able to cook my meal in, so I don't need to use pancakes on a stick. Because the whole reason why I had those was because all I had was a microwave and a mini fridge. Yeah. And that's all I had. But if I got a refrigerator and a, and a stove, I can cook a couple of eggs and be okay for the morning. Yeah. You know? So that, wow. but that's the struggle, right? Like you just, you, you're constantly thinking of like what you're spending and what you're saving. Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about, like if you hear us talk about going to Chateau Line, it wasn't because we just had the money just to go? throw away. It was because we were eating, we were like, you know, scrambling eggs so we wouldn't have to go to McDonald's to get that food because we didn't want to spend that money. Right. Or we've wow. been, you know, cooking cooking the meat that we get from Aldi because it's, it's more affordable. Mm-hmm. You know, when we go to Aldi than it is we go to, Kro- like, we literally shopped around to find some of the more affordable things mm-hmm. and put back whatever those dollars were or wherever wow. even those pennies were to get to a space where it's like, all right, well, now that we got this little nest egg, we can actually kind of pull from that to pay for this thing that some other people wouldn't be able to actually get. So, you know, you yeah. figure that out. Yeah. We decided yeah. even within our success that there's some, some things we put value in and some things we don't, um, but it allows yeah. us to do what we want to do. It's funny. Um, I don't know if I've ever told you this. So the house we live in is the house that I bought when I was 25. Yep years old right so this is the house we still live in so we are now 40 mm-hmm. and right it got right. we got married at 39 yeah <laughs> sure did. and i know i remember i bought this house at 25 none of my friends had houses they were all in apartments right mm-hmm. so my house was a hangout spot right which was cool you know a lot of real a lot of real stuff happened real real not that kind of real 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 church real, <laughs> real stuff real, happened. Real. okay yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, this is the real, real house real. yeah this is the right. real house that we would hang out and do game nights all kinds of things uh-huh. So it's funny, as I got older, probably in like my, maybe a decade later, so my early mid thirties, I remember somebody had to come to my house for something, but I didn't have to come. We were doing something. I would just come to my house, whatever. 
And they was like, Michelle, you live here. I thought you would have been, you know, live wherever, right? And I was like, guess what? I can actually get close to paying my house off right now if I want to. <laughs> That's why I get to travel the way I do. That's why, because yeah. for me, living in a three-bedroom, one-bathroom ranch-style house that was built in the 70s, Mm-hmm. didn't bother me now i initially bought this house because i'm like this will one day be rental property mm-hmm. i can literally walk to downtown from where we are yeah. um there are college students all around us and so we as we've had the conversation about kind of what our next phase looks like this house will be rental property wow but you know what i didn't do we didn't have to struggle to pay our mortgage not once wow. it was it was easy i could go wow. i literally could go get a job working fast food to pay our mortgage that mm-hmm. was the that was my thought i wanted it I was always in that financial mindset, right? <laughs> wow! Yes, yeah, scrape look, scrape it together. Yeah, scrape it together. You know, and, wow! And 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 to, to even to her point, you know, when when I when we did get married, when we decided to, you know, go that direction, you know, stay, you know, be really serious about our relationship, figure things out, you know, really kind of talk about finance, finances and everything. One of the conversations we did have was, you know, moving and getting another house because we, I mean, collectively we could have been able to pull it off. Right. You know, find the down payment, go ahead and put it down on a house, go ahead and, you know, pay the mortgage, get locked into 30 years there, figure something out about this particular house, you know, rent it out, whatever we would do. But we like where we are. And oh, so, we're spoiled. We're spoiled. We're yeah, close to everything. But, <laughs> but, but even honestly, you know, it's, you know, you would think that it's too small, but it's not. You know, the, the one thing. So a couple things. One, well, no, one of the biggest things. We just it's, it's us. It's not like we're, we ain't trying to have like three, you know, 5,000 people here yeah. all the time. We have to be here. We work too <laughs> Yeah, we work too much. <laughs> so if you see my car out in the yard, don't come knocking because I might be at work still. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so That's when right. we're, so, but then that, that kind of puts us in a position where, you know, we've been blessed, you know, even in the past year to be able to put back and, you know, one thing that the pandemic and closing down really did for us was actually put us in the mindset of just like saving as much as we could. Mm-hmm. And we were blessed to have like a couple of things happen where we either didn't have to pay it or we were able to recoup it, you know, fairly quickly. Um, mm-hmm. One of the biggest blessings I know for, for me and my, from my perspective is um, I was hospitalized last year with COVID mm-hmm. um, and um, got the bill. The bill was um, $40,000. Never forget. Wow. Yes. Right. For four but, days in the hospital. Yeah. And I was in the hospital for four days. So $10,000 a day for COVID treatment. But so we got married in July. I got I got COVID um, in, in mid-August mm. um, after I got back to work. Um, we During that time, I was still on my work insurance. And then um, we had applied to be for me to be combined on the Michelle's insurance for <laughs> several different reasons. Right. But um. In the, in the midst of that, when I was in the hospital, um, her, the insurance that I had with her started and I still had my insurance with my job. And so when yes. billing called, they're like, well, what insurance do you want to put on here? I was like, both. Both. <laughs> I felt like radio. We want both. We want both. both. We want both. Put an F on the end. We want so, both. Both. So we go, we go from whatever we would have had to pay in hospital wow. bills to having zero dollars that we needed to pay yep. for a $40,000 day at the hospital. You know, so it, it was it was that movement, you know, that, that ends up happening. Now, I'm not going to say that, you know, I, I would it, it was just a blessing. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's like kind of the point is just, you know, th- sometimes it's, it's part, you know, blessing and favor. Mm-hmm. But it's also part of, you know, effort, the effort that she put into it yeah. because we wouldn't be here. Yes, right. yes, yes. Because mm-hmm. even then, you know, there's some things that, that have happened that we've had to pay for and we didn't want to pay for them. There's some checks <laughs> that we've written and she <laughs> I, there, there's one check in particular. Michelle wrote that check, and she and she was looking at me in the living room, and she was like, "I really don't want to sign this check." And I was like, like "Here, you need to sign this because I just, I cannot." And not for Uncle Sam, I just yeah. right. <laughs> oh, she even knew what check I it know was. Exactly what you want to was. I'm still was. traumatized. <laughs> I still feel Same. that. <laughs> so wrote wrote that check, send it off. Now blessed to be able to pay it, but Lord, we we didn't mm-hmm. want. To. Right. And and it depleted a lot from us, you know. It took it took from a couple different pots to pay that bill, but we had it, we paid it, we dealt with it. Yeah. It's is good, but it also put us in a position where it's like, okay, cool. 
we were able to recoup. We were able to actually do some other things. We're blessed to be able to still, you know, have some things. And to put it back, like now that that account that we moved it from, while I was sad, it's back to where it was. Like, you know, mm-hmm. so it's, it's, really, you know, it, it's really, it was a principality of a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and again, it, it's not back to where it was because we were living lavish and making, making a whole bunch of money. But right. we still, mm-hmm. we scrimp, save, and, and still scrimping and save, mm-hmm. couponing everything. Yeah. And that's where y'all, that's why you are where you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Folks yeah. out here trying We get allowances. Hunt. This is what I tell people yeah. all the time. We have ourselves on allowances. Wow. Um, when it comes to eating out, like that's our, our that's our thing. Eating out and eating our extra stuff, right? So we have a household account that this is where all the household bills come from. Mm. But when it comes to just us being frivolous, we have allowances to take care of that. Because then you go over. I was laughing the other day. Um, a friend sent a TikTok, and it was what was the amount was like. You have thirteen dollars, and the meal costs twelve dollars and seventy six cents. <laughs> so she was on a praise dance. So I said, "I said I can relate because my food account is at this amount, and I just pulled it up as I walked to the restaurant to go get my lunch." Right, 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 right. <laughs> I said, "But I'm gonna bring my lunch next week, which yep. I did this week mm-hmm. because my but my, my the allowance account gets replenished." So, yeah. wow. <laughs> man, y'all, this has been so rich. <laughs> I uh, I just appreciate you guys so much for the wisdom that you guys have shared and just, you know, the wide ranging, of course, topics. And I knew we was going to end with money. <laughs> I knew that. I knew that. I, I was like, oh, yeah, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, you guys, you know, you talked about it. Both of you are in fields where you are hoping to... Um, provide access uh, mm-hmm. so that people understand that there is a place for them um, to uh, benefit from e- each of these fields. And so for the listener, how can they get in touch with you or how can they connect with you either on social media or your website? How, um, how can they get in touch with you? So professionally, um, <laughs> my email address is quite long, but it's simple. It is my name. It is Michelle with one L. So M-I-C-H-E-L-E dot Pearson Tucker, P-E-A-R-S-O-N-T-U-C-K-E-R at edwardjones.com is my email address. Um, I will give you my office number. My assistant is Becky. And yes, Becky is a Becky, but she keeps my calendar. So she knows how that works. And our office number is 706-543-7952. All right. Thank you, Robert. <laughs> See, when you got a home office, you can't do all that. I, I ain't got a big. So. <laughs> but um, I do I do have a profile on psychology today. Um, that would be the easiest way because you can either send a message to me, then it comes directly to me. It doesn't go through like another person or anything like that. Or um, you can actually hit the, the call button on that side and the call does come directly to me. It doesn't go to another person. Um, but, um, if you do need to reach out, you know, just, just, you know, directly then, um, Robert at robertdtucker.net is my email address. Um, it is simple compliance. So if you put some personal stuff in there that is encrypted, we good. Don't worry about it. I, I, I actually did all that. And, um, of course, if you need to reach out, um, number is 706-352-9482. Uh, that's, um, the, the number that I use for my business, um, and yeah, um, just start uh, looking me up in, in one of those particular spaces. Um, I don't really do social media for real. I got it, but it's not even worth it. So don't even worry about it. Like if you, if you reach out to me through social media, I probably won't, I ain't going to answer you for like about like four or five weeks. I just yeah. don't do it. For real. Yeah. And I tell everybody, you, if you want more financial information, follow me. I have a Edward Jones Facebook page. That is my name, Michelle Pearson Tucker, and a LinkedIn page, Michelle Pearson Tucker on both. And I post financial articles there almost every day. I try to do some tip, some takeaway, mm-hmm. something that you can learn and grow from. Um, if people are actually interested in the profession itself, um, I always give this disclaimer that you do not have to have a financial background. We do all the training at Edward Jones through that um, because most of our license, the, just to sell investments, that license is not one that people casually just pick up. Right. Um, anything in the financial world, there are some serious background checks. So there's some things that we could talk about in that regard. But these, you know, series seven, series 66, these are federal licensure that, you know, you have to you have to do some work for that you are not just casually spend a couple thousand dollars to go pick up. Wow. So yeah. Wow. 
Well, look, there y'all have it, man. Access, access. <laughs> and we appreciate it. And, you know, um, like I said, y'all helping somebody. Somebody might be me. So you helping somebody and we appreciate you. I wouldn't have you on this podcast if I didn't appreciate you and believe in what y'all doing. So you guys continue to keep doing what you're doing. Please keep in touch. And anytime you always have an open invitation. So anytime you're like, Jeff, when you recording again, just let me know. And we'll we'll (laughs) back on. Don't worry. And we gotta find and we gotta find a way to come up there and actually talk to you in person. Again, so yes, yes, you know, yes, we, yes. we do mission. We yes. do mission. I, 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 think, I think about college town all the time, actually. I, yes. I do, I do, I do. I, I miss it. Yes, Lord, I think about it too. We gotta get it together. <laughs> we gotta get it together. Well, yes. y'all, we appreciate y'all so much. And you know, and like I said, y'all have an open invitation. So I do look forward to speaking with y'all again. <laughs> Man, just Real people, man, out here doing great things. <sighs> I, I just love it. They out here winning. And I want that for you. There's no blueprint. There's no cookie cutter path to success. You chart your own path to success. So embrace your process. Enjoy your process and appreciate your process. You've heard it. I know it's played out, but I'm telling you, man, just keep grinding. Keep doing what you're doing. Get on up. Make your bed up. Go into those meetings and classes and conferences, whatever you got today, with a smile. Make somebody's day. Remember, I see you. I'm proud of you. I'm rooting for you. and You're doing just fine. All right, y'all, we're five episodes in. You have hung out with us this long. So do me a favor. Let me know what you think. I want to hear from you. If you found this podcast valuable, please share it. We are trying to put as many people on this free game as possible. So y'all be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Broke Meal Pod. And look, we'll look forward to talking to you next week.